Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. This episode of Pixel Civ is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash Pixel Civ. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. Hello and thank you for joining us on episode 62 of Pixel Civ. We're here without Johnny this week, but Scott is still with me along with James on the switches. Hey, hey Scott. Hey. So joining us as well is Yosha Nushiwan, the man behind Inflatality. Thanks for joining us, Yosha. No problems. Glad to be here. All right, what else are we checking out today, Scott? Today, Mitch, <laughs> we'll be taking a look at the recent cancellation of ABC's Good Game. Definite sad news for the Australian gaming community. Excellent. And But first, let's take a look at the different style changes that games go through as a franchise moves along. You're listening to Pixelsift. Or you might be watching Pixelsift on Twitch. Pixelsift. So with so many games now sporting many sequels, developers are now under pretty high pressure to bring something to the table with each new version. In some cases, art style, gameplay mechanics, or even story tone can be altered to bring about noticeable differences. So I guess one of the things I noticed recently was the latest Final Fantasy. That was like significantly different to the generations before it. Like it's moved from turn-based combat to like a very action-y and a very skill-based system. Yeah, I mean, that that's more game mechanics than art style, mm-hmm. though, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Final Fantasy series has always stuck to that pretty strong kind of anime flavor, um, which is, you know, still quite strong in their artwork. But obviously, yeah, the, the new iteration is quite different in a lot of um, elements. Like um, things like Halo and like the like from Halo 2 to Halo 3, it was almost like Halo 3 had lighting in it. <laughs> Halo 2 didn't. <laughs> It's it's just a, I don't know, it's to give people something new. Like, you have your dedicated fan base who will always want, like, maybe, the, or not necessarily, but sometimes they'll want the very much the same thing. But you sometimes do need to inject something different to bring in new audiences as well as keep your invested audiences interested. Yeah. Like, when, I think when the Halo series, it definitely, it, one of the greatest criticisms of it is it looks like the previous game. And... It, like, and I don't really see that because in the sense that Halo 4 should look exactly like Halo 1, but it doesn't. It looks almost entirely different, for better or for worse. I think, yeah, I think one of the the more extreme examples of that is probably Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4. There's yeah. very little discernible difference between the two. Like, from even after playing it for a while, there's subtle differences and slight changes, but 
wasn't enough for me anyway to warrant like a separate release. Absolutely, especially when you got the um, like the second assault um, upgrade for Battlefield Four, and you basically had Battlefield Three maps. It was like the same freaking game. It was like, why are we doing this? Why why don't we just get like, yeah. a map update? Um, it yeah. was it was yeah same deal with like Call of Duty for a bit until it kind of weirdly enough realized that it should be different. That's and that was lazy. when it got interesting again for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually played the recent Call of Duty, the Infinite Warfare, um, last week, and I considered it actually quite the same if you actually play it. Like you ended up you end up hiding behind a crate, shooting out of cover, <laughs> and that's about it. There was there is a nice little like yeah. space battle, um like space starship battle, which is pretty fun. That mechanic. Yeah, apparently it changes because they have like multiple studios on the Call of Duty franchise. Um like that that's one way that i've seen them give same games sort of different flavor although in the end some of them end up doing quite similar but sometimes treyarch has a very different style as opposed to um uh what's the other guys uh infinity what the other developers yeah or whatever the renamed studio was that replaced them or something but like still subtle differences but they still it's this weird line they have to straddle between keeping it similar enough to your prequels but making it new enough for it to like be a separate game to warrant a release yeah that's it like um i I think the battlefield one was a really good example because as far as graphically wise anyway they haven't changed a whole lot over the last few kind of um you know releases and the two that the three to four is ridiculous there isn't actually a lot going on but if you throw in ones like Battlefield Hardline or Battlefield 1 even, there is quite a lot of differences there. I think that's where they're kind of flexing their change and they're kind of continuing with, well, continuity with their other games to exactly that, keep people appeased at what they've learned to love. I mean, part of this could be attributed to technological advances. Oh, and it has to be. As machines have got more powerful and just they've become more accessible, graphical changes are... I guess a, a given, but I, I'm I'm more referring to this. This topic was actually um, inspired by an article on Kotaku. It was uh, by Alex Walker. It was please don't take Ghost Recon Wildlands seriously. Yeah, and I think that, that was a bit that was a bit brutal title. But I mean, he's he's saying that it, it deviates a little bit, it deviates pretty significantly from previous Ghost Recon games. Which I was surprised to read. I haven't played Wildlands, obviously, so he's a much better person to voice opinion on it. But it didn't seem a whole lot different to me um, from any of the other kind of Clancy games. I think it was just how it went from to a much more open world than prior. Like, I haven't really kept as up to date with um, that one as, like, some of the previous games. But it's, it's still got that general feel. Yeah, exactly. Like tactical executions and stuff, but and that's why I couldn't understand what uh, he was trying to say in his article in that there was such a huge difference because I like compared it to say like Future Soldier, where the, it seemed fairly much the same kind of gameplay and everything seemed the same art style. I didn't know understand where this huge difference that he felt was coming from, apart from the fact that yeah, it's more open world style, but art style wise, which is what he was really going for. I I, I like to enjoy like looking at the player's reaction to a change in overall feel. One of the most evident that I've seen in the past couple of years is the Forza series. And when they tacked on, well, I guess they didn't tack on, but they (laughs) they released a version of it called Forza Horizon. And that made everybody love it. It seems like the Forza Motorsport series was very much a racing simulator and a car simulator, but didn't quite grab people that really wanted to just 
have fun with cars, I guess. So they took it in a lot uh, more of an arcade direction. Yeah, they like they redid the setting entirely. It was that now a festival, mm. and the cars were treated more as toys than anything else. And that just let people drive and live their fantasies of their cars, like super expensive, crazy cars that they probably won't be able to have anytime soon. <laughs> exactly. And I know people now that have bought Xbox Ones for Forza and Forza Horizon. Sorry. Um, it just... I, I do know of this one game that, um, which had the really reverse effect, or not sort, not really, but um, I don't know if you guys remember a while back the Brothers in Arms games. Yep. Like the it was like a tactical shooter and stuff, and then I remember at an E3 or something they revealed um, Brothers in Arms uh, Furious Four or Furious Five or something, and Brothers in Arms primarily has been a very gritty band of brothers World War Two you know war is hell kind of game and then they just showed this trailer out of the blue for this very silly inglorious bastards card well not like cartoon very stylized shooter or something and so many fans of brothers in arms were just furious about it yeah i don't know if that game's happened or is gonna happen but the the amount of rage that was coming from the from the fan base was intense and i was like wow okay is that something you consider as a developer um fan appeasement i haven't i haven't really made uh many sequels but in terms of fan appeasement i guess i don't really have a like a brand if you know what i mean Mm. like i I haven't exactly got an established title anyway, so I don't necessarily have to worry about that. So I have the freedom to, you know, make something... I can make something very artsy and then at the same time make something that's just, you know, quick, instant feedback to make you feel good. Like, I can I can explore the whole spectrum, which is one of the benefits of being, like, a not hugely established indie. Yeah. I know you didn't want to talk about tech too much, Mitch, but, like... Yep. Technology obviously comes into play. You've got your, you know, the newer, newer art style iterations of games as they go through their evolutions. So the older ones like your Mario's and your Zelda's and whatever. Mm-hmm. Especially say like um, Mario 64, which was like a big turn into, you know, an open 3D sort of thing. Um, and I, I want to put that to you, Osha. Does uh, technology affect the way that you kind of work in the artistic realm? Or do you do things old school? <laughs> Uh, so with, with indie because you don't have that much time um, most of you most indies will generally do it I wouldn't say old school but we'd be doing you know low poly very simple or like 2D style because I mean when, when you're an indie you have to play to your strengths so um, I don't have that much time I don't have that much money and we don't exactly have access to the highest tech out there yeah. right like I, I use unity a lot and Unity, although capable of stuff that parallels what AAA is doing, I'm I'm one artist, and I'm usually one or one of two artists on a team. Mm. So it's kind of like, no, we're going to get something out fast. And so it's when we start more relying on more unique visuals, more interesting um, just design, try to play to those strengths instead. And because I'm also lazy, I try to find much more efficient ways to do things whether it just be limited color palettes because they look nice and they're a lot less taxing in terms of time to do once you get them or just like low poly 3d modeling for example excellent all right we'll get more about your development process in the next segment thanks hey this is fabian malabello the director of the other world agency and you're listening to pixel sift 
All right, so as you may have noticed, we have Yosha and Shiwan here to talk about inflatality. Yosha, thanks for joining us. No problems. Um, yeah, so <laughs> inflatality, crazy game, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big fan. So can you tell us a little bit about your game and how it came to be? So inflatality is basically a, a physics-based derpy fighting game where those wavy inflatable tube men that you see at like car sales, for example, two of them are fighting each other. And that's basically it. You and your friend are basically going up against each other as one of these wavy inflatable men trying to deflate one another. In terms of where the idea came from, though, um, one of uh, one of our team members, Rick, who's the uh, who's in charge of a lot of our audio as well as like design, he was driving his kids down um, one of those highways that has heaps of car yards and car sale yards all over the place, and. Um, yeah, two of those inflatables were like really close to each other, and his kid was like, "Oh my goodness, they're fighting!" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, they are," <laughs> and kind of just came from that. Yes, yeah, so has the game changed at all since we saw it at PAX AU? Uh, we're currently implementing a few more maps as well as trying to get some more weapons in there so we have like variety in that sense and we're hoping to get like a sort of tournament mode at some point later but uh yeah we're, we're close we're getting close to finishing it up um you had it at pack 16 it was it did you have it at uh, pack 2015 as well in the rising showcase yeah we did that's when it was just a uh, one map so that was like just the car yard the very yeah. Yeah, just the car yard. We've added a few more, including a um, sort of like a jousting uh, arena. Yeah. Where, like, you've got knights actually jousting in the background because that's a logical place for them to be. <laughs> um, as well as a. I'm just trying to remember what the other one was. Uh, I forget now. That's but, cool. um, so, you obviously got a lot of feedback from the FERCS packs um, enough to take it on and really improve it to, you know, closer to the stage we've got it at currently. Uh, but was it nice to come back with the improved version? Like, was it rewarding and helpful the second time? Uh, the second time, it was just sort of still seeing if there was still engagement for it. And, um, yeah, it wasn't so much... It was more like ideas of where people wanted to go or what they were thinking of or what they'd like to see in it. And we tried to take that on board and see what else we could do. And, um, yeah, putting that feedback into some new weapons and maps and areas for players to actually just... Uh, smash each other um i've noticed i was reading just reading the press release from it um and it's uh, it's it's had something on there about uh, aiming for an early 2016 release um assuming you had some delays and difficulties along the way is would that be a right su uh, assumption yeah that's pretty much it we, we, we were meant to change that to uh this year so we're hoping to get it released um pretty soon this year because um thing is like the entire team we're all working on this in our spare time yeah and um yeah most of us work full-time oh that's something one we of us has a family <laughs> so it's like oof, gotta cram it into when we can but uh we are getting there getting closer hopefully it should be around oh i'm not so great at time management but, yeah that's um, okay don't lock yourself into anything people, maybe neither are we, neither are we mate don't yeah. worry <laughs> All right, so you mentioned two studios um, working on the game. So what's it like, two studios forming, like, I guess, coming together to finish a game? This is Deep Forge and Hojo for anyone that are... For the listeners out there. Yeah, yeah so the... Um, it's basically sort of uh, who 
in each studio was capable of what. So in terms of uh, Hojo, we had um, a Rick on audio as well as like some design and like particle effects. For some reason, he, he's all about particle effects. And then we got Yola, who is really good with uh, lots of 2D and UI uh, and graphic design kind of stuff. Then then those two from Hojo, then you got Arvin from Deep Forge, who's a programmer. So it was kind of just a compilation of just skills. And then me, affiliated with none of them, just came along because I like to do art. To form a super studio. Yeah. So it's kind of like just an amalgam of people working together, which is the classic indie story. Yeah. So will the studios separate after this project is done or will you guys continue to work together collaboratively? Um, if we, if we, we'll probably keep, uh, working on Inflatality if there's more content, if people are craving more content, but, um, yeah, it goes to see if we have any other ideas and we totally work together or, um, if not, we'll probably go our separate ways. It's very much a project based thing at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh, physics in the game are pretty incredible. Um, what kind of challenges did you have, um, you know, creating the wacky wavy movements, but keeping it realistic. Obviously, you're more of an artistic angle, but that still comes into play as far as I'm concerned because it looks great and it looks real. They look like wacky wavy inflatable tube men. <laughs> Thank you. The, uh, most of the credit will go to Arvin for that, who's yep. our programmer. But initially, when we were prototyping, etc., we were trying to figure out how best to do it, whether it should be just purely physics and I'll just model the character and rig it with enough joints so that it could bend nicely or if I should actually maybe implement some, like actually animate it first mm. and then sort of have physics either take over with it or just work with it because there are ways that you can sort of have physics enabled with the animation. Yeah. So we tried off with animations first, but the problem was is that it was a bit too defined. Our because our game isn't like a hardcore brawler. It isn't Street Fighter. And we weren't trying to be that, but when I was implementing animations, it looked a lot like that. It was press a button to do an attack and press another button to do another attack, and it just wasn't feeling right. Yeah. You're meant to be this like wavy, barely in control idiot. <laughs> so that's when we kind of made the move more to physics-based and then probably ditched animations entirely because... Uh, yeah, players needed to be able to move dynamically and sway in the wind and all that, and mm -hmm. it was just better to do it through physics. I, I think you're so better. I think you're better for up. it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is the most probably PG-rated fighter I've ever seen to <laughs> date. Um, how's the reception been uh, amongst the different age groups of people playing the game? Oh, uh, little kids go crazy. Yeah. They they go crazy for it. It's amazing. Like. To be honest, the the response is actually kind of similar across the age ranges, because what what happened a lot like so firstly with kids, um, also have lots of nieces and nephews that I get to play test the game as well, and um, yeah, they they cackle like crazy. It's great, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really good feeling. But then what happens with uh, uh, older tip from teens to adults etc it happens a lot specifically at packs they'll they'll walk around then they'll catch a glimpse of of inflatality and just go wait what turn around and then just stop and go no way <laughs> and then they'll turn their friend and be like guy you gotta see this or dude you have to see this etc and it's just they're floored by this really dumb idea and then they play it because it's just so 
that that fine line of I have no control and I have some control and I kind of know what I want to do, yeah. but I'm Absolutely. trying to do it. It's not working out. The entertainment grabs you in, but the fantastic execution that both of your studios have done like keeps them there. Look, I, I walked. <laughs> I walked past a display multiple times at PAX and I don't think there was ever a person not with a huge grin on their face oh, in front of your display. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, if, it's just silly. So if people want to know more about Inflatality and your studio, where can they go? So we have the website, inflatality.com. We also have the hashtag on Twitter, hashtag Inflatality. Um, you can also follow uh, the Hojo Studios uh, Twitter account at Hojo Studios or... Uh, at Deep Forge, or well, we have our own Twitter account at in, at Inflatality. Do go and check at Inflatality dot com is the best way to go. Please go yeah. check it out. Do it's check epic. it out. Um, also noteworthy that we didn't mention is the sound uh, design in the game is fantastic. <laughs> it's uh, it adds to the whole PG rated fighting thing. Love it. All right, let's jump into the next topic. Pixel Sift. <laughs> Pixel Sift. Seriously, Pixel Sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel So this week we learned of the unfortunate cancellation of ABC's long-running video program, Good Game. Uh, though it will remain in its other kind of smaller spawn point versions and the likes, the main program aimed at the older and arguably more influential gaming market is sadly gone from our screens. This move by the nation's public broadcaster has left many scratching their heads. In a time where video games are garnering more attention and creating more revenue than ever, we ask why. Why now, Mitch? Why now? I, it, just, it just seems like... <laughs> ten years. Ten years has been on. Ten years. And we've been through like, other host changes. It seems like a strange thing to... Yeah, it's ten years, I'm pretty sure. You can check me on that. Yeah, no, I believe you. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, seen, it's come out of nowhere. Um, the, the, game, uh, the Good Game kind of Twitter account was still updating like last week saying they're ready for 2017 and all of a sudden their rug's been pulled out. Honestly, that show was a lot of the inspiration for us doing this. Yeah, look, I mean, it wasn't perfect, and sometimes it annoyed me, but <laughs> but it was great. And what it did for like what it represented in the Australian gaming community for like young and old alike was priceless. I feel. Um, and it's I just, remember when like we didn't have like prior to Good Game, we yeah. didn't really have anything, any kind of like uh show on television for games. Like all you'd ever have was magazines, and this is back when I'm in like high school yeah and it was yeah when it first came on tv i was like oh my goodness this is this is something i've i didn't know how much i needed this yeah it was nice to just see it on television yeah, and just have getting all my stuff from on like tv talking about it yeah playstation magazines or whatever um yeah like i said after 10 year, years it seems really weird especially at this point in the in the like in the world i guess uh you know the video games industry is the fastest growing entertainment industry in the world um in Australia in recent years, the industry has generated like $2 billion in revenue and it obviously continues to grow. Um, but the, not just the ABC, but everyone seems in Australia on the uh, government side of things seems to be stepping away from the industry. It, it did seem like it was the only um, mainstream media that was taking games seriously to an extent. Like yeah. everyone else just seemed to be treating them as either A, a problem, B, I guess... The, that, another problem or like patronizing them in the sense that oh they're suddenly educational and things like that and yeah. which is true i guess and, to and an extent but it was just seemed like they weren't being treated with that much respect and that show was the only one that i saw that was 
was doing Pio- that pioneer in Australia. And like, yes, uh, viewing and the way we the way we kind of obtain and view our media is changing. But ABC has kind of done a good job of making sure they do support streaming and the online, the iView and whatever. Like. I just don't. It seems like a really weird decision, and like I said about about the money as well. Like, it, it's about the industry being taken seriously on a on that kind of level. You know, um, the video games industry is expected to grow more than, than uh, to grow more than to 120 billion by 2020. Like, it's no wonder. I, I, sorry, I should say this before I jump into that. Um, Nick Boy and Hex, two of the uh, hosts of the show. I know you're um, watching. <laughs> they they've now um, come out that they're moving to a new show on Channel Seven, like which for me is huge kind of red and red lights because, like, if a commercial station's going to jump into it, there's obviously there's come some kind of commercial viability of it of it, um, and it seems like the ABC have kind of gone a sad and backwards call on letting a good game fizzle, like when it, you know. I think the Channel Seven is like they'll look up the same numbers you just quoted, Scott. They'll be like, okay, well. There's obviously interest. Yeah, can't be ignored. There's money to be made, but except now that's all going to be you know interspersed with terrible you know marketing and ter- like you know just. He's he's hoping it'll they'll let it be what it is Hopefully. instead of kind of influence it too much. And on, on the I'm... upside, it'll be nice to see after the tennis like a game show or something. <laughs> that can happen now. Yeah, um, and I I know everyone's got their own opinions on I guess Hex and Nick Boy and everyone else in general, but they, those two were my favourite. I feel like they kind of really improved the show into an all-around um, proper, you know... Covering. I mean, and, and Johnny's not here to say this, but he's always mentioned uh, publicly and pretty privately that he thinks that broadcast media is going to go in that direction or we're just going to have streamed um, game tournaments and like the ESL, things like that yeah. on TV. And, and that's why I can understand where the ABC is coming from in, in their decision here, but it just feels a little bit misplaced. Um, and, and also I was, I was going through the annual report of the ABC um, from the Nielsen reports from 2015. And there's nothing but praise basically for uh, not only TV, but good game and everything that is around it. Like, this really has come out of nowhere with no proper explanation that like that actually explains why this has happened like this. I mean, uh, it might be one of those Wasn't things. Wasn't that like two two hosts or something? Yeah, like, but like, that that that's not good enough reason for me to be fair. When you've got what five or six yeah. hosts in the whole like uh, the whole kind of team, and you've also had people left leave before when the smaller when the team was smaller and it mattered more. Like it's that's not a good enough reason. I, I don't think. Yeah, look, Johnny's not here and we're still making a show. Exactly. The show <laughs> must go on, you know? Um, yeah, so it's, just, what, it's just so odd. What is your feeling of uh, towards Good Game and uh, what it represented? Uh, how, how was the reception for your camp, Yosha? Uh, good Game was... Good Game was like one of those... For us, it was one of those... Res- one of those uh, major sources of um, exposure for us, you know? Like, yeah. Good Game worked hard to sort of, uh, you know, put some spotlight or shine some spotlight onto some of the indie games that were showing up on there. I mean, uh, Hojo Studios was on there a, a while ago showing off their cat nips or whatever. They, um, nippy cats, sorry. Cat nips is a completely different thing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, they, they were a good source of exposure for just local Australians as well as the... They were part of a reason why um, a lot of AAA could easily come down to Australia for um, 
uh, for shows and things because yeah. you can tell them, look, we can give you national coverage that that come down. So yeah. like it made They're it reputable. made like cons coming here easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and the real I never thought of it from that angle. Yeah, yeah exactly. They they stood up for something, and that's what I mean. It's a huge loss to the community. Whether you, whether you had you know indifferent feelings towards the show or not, or if you didn't watch it or whatever, it really did represent something to us. The real tragedy here is the failure of the ABC to capitalize and admit the value um, of a program such as The Good Game. You know? like, yeah, free to, free to air TV and whatever is declining, but... I think at a whole, it was just confusing for everyone because out of everyone, we thought that the ABC understood that. Mm. But and, and wait, we've still got really poor internet in Australia, so assuming that we can just completely go get away with TV at this stage and, and you know give up on shows that have been long running and have, still have a good viewership is a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> I'm getting NBN soon. <laughs> Join. <laughs> then all the I'll probably download club. everything. Yep. All anyway, right. I think that that is all we have time for yep. this week. We got to, sadly, we have to go. Mm. Um, so, thanks again for joining us on Pixel Sip. Yosho, do you want to reiterate where we can find more of your work and Inflatality? Uh, sure. So, yep, inflatality.com is probably the best place to get all your updates. And you can also check out the hashtag inflatality on Twitter. Um, and, uh, yeah, just Twitter seems to be our main source of communication at the moment. Excellent. And uh, as usual, we're putting all the links up to all this on our website, uh, au. Uh, Scott, where can people find us on social media? People, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixelsift, twitter.com forward slash pixelsift, twitch.tv forward slash pixelsift, and youtube.com forward slash pixelsiftau. Excellent. And you can go on our website to stream episodes or subscribe to our podcast on either iTunes, Pocket Cast, or using the RSS link on our page. And while you're on iTunes, if you could give us a review and a star rating, that would be great. It would also help. Thanks. This episode of Pixel Civ was brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash pixelsiv. Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled.